we would have folks from the audience jump in. I, I don't know how we're going to be able to manage that, but uh, I can see the chat right here. Okay. So can we invite people in as well, or how, how does that work? We're, I, I have no idea. Um, because we'll this, is what you do. this is a different app. We'll, okay, so, so you we take the screen in our link, and then you, uh, I'll throw it on Twitter. And then I can do it on LinkedIn as well. Okay. Yeah, so I just I shared it on LinkedIn. Cool. Yeah. 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 So that, that's what, like 5,000 people right there? Um, Let's see. And Ethan, just from a thank you for sending the information over as far as you know what we'll, what we'll share today. But the, the, the biggest lens is how can we entertain and educate? And frankly, our target market, our audience of zombies, um, it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, if, if, if uh, some of them could be customers. Um, and then, of course, we've been growing like crazy from a, uh, from a uh, Spotify perspective as well. It's very much uh, what I, I mean, I would describe it as kind of like, like if, if we met at a sports bar. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Ethan. No, I was saying that the, the, the uh, yeah, the, the podcast and they, it sounds great. The, I listened okay. to a few on Spotify, so. Yeah. Perfect. Kind of right here, like, like if we were, if we were, if we like randomly met at like a cafe or sports bar or wine bar or something like that and started talking shop, right? Um Except for it's a collection of us as opposed to one on one, right? I feel um, like you guys are at a cafe. I'm just, I'm not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, you got, you got to have a got, bottle in the golf bag, mate. Right? Well, you're the, you're at a pretty cool spot in downtown San Mateo, right? Uh, I'm in uh, San Carlos, right near, right near your San Baskin Carlos. Robbins. Yeah, right near your back. Can, so I, wait, can I talk about your Baskin Robbins? My so my wife and I sold our steak. Uh, oh, oh, no. Yeah, but that's okay. Well, on on to bigger and better things. Yeah. So that's too bad. Okay. I, was, I was I was waiting for next summer so I could get some some um, complimentary baskets. I, I can still hook you up. I, I know a little birthday yeah. cake for the kids. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> we gotta plan a a triple top. Some skiing, that's right. With the rain, you know, how, how, how many inches do you think are piling up over there? Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, phrasing. Huh? Okay, cool. Let's uh, let's get things started, right? And I guess we'll just play it from here. Let's do it. Okay, I'm gonna give us all three, two, one. All right, we are live. Three, two, one. All right, gang. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We got our first LinkedIn Live for Silicon Zombies. This is episode number 90, and we're going to be exploring a little bit about artificial intelligence and machine learning. And we got all the boys here, and we got Ethan in the studio as well. So super excited to be, to be exploring the best brains in the Bay and beyond. I want to do a quick shout out to our sponsor, Nercodex, that's N-E-C-O-G-E-X.com. If you're looking to uh, build products, be it mobile or desktop, you want to get your dreams off the ground, they start at $25 an hour, and they've got a, a wonderful team that has helped us with Danny Skowski at Side Pocket, and then also with Matt Lentzner uh, with the Zinta. They've done some terrific work, so Nercodex.com. 
So we are super pleased to have uh, a wonderful founder uh, who's in the technology space. He's a local guy. And before we introduce Ethan, I want to uh, do a quick shout out to my man, Peter Wang. Peter is the, runs Intel, or excuse me, Intel. Intel. Runs TikTok for Intel. <laughs> <laughs> and then we've, then we've got Ro Christian, who's, who's the head of product for Unity Central. Uh, and then Nick Hammer, who runs marketing as well. So a uh, wonderful group here today. We're going to be exploring uh, technology and growth and, and innovation. Um, Ethan, before we get any further, do you want to kick things off and give a little introduction on yourself? Well, uh, thank you guys for having me. I feel like uh, I, I feel like this has been. I, I didn't I didn't know about you until I met you, Nick, about a year ago. So uh, yeah. I didn't know about the zombies, and now I feel like I'm. Uh, you guys have welcomed me in to the club. So it's uh, it's That's awesome right. to be with you. I really right. love, I'm glad you're doing this LinkedIn Live thing. I've never even I never contemplated doing it. So it's uh, it's awesome to be with you. Um, and as you mentioned, I'm down in San Carlos, so. Um, just 25 minutes down the road from you guys, uh, we've got a Nick. You've been here. It's a little just a, a street side office here. My, uh, my my co-founder and I work out of this office here in San Carlos, and then our our remote team of uh, 12 folks um, is spread all through all through the country. So uh, um, yeah, I'll get into a little bit of what we're doing, but I'll kick it back to you. Yeah, I really appreciate that. You know, what, one of the reasons that I'm uh, that we're jazzed to to have you on here today is because you. You know a ton about bootstrapping. Um, I believe since we spoke last, you still had zero churn, which truly means product market fit. Um, and the size of the of the contracts you guys were pulling in is just super impressive. Um, and frankly, to take a step back, this is all the kind of content that our community of founders and funders want. We want to figure out how to get to the next level. So that's why we have the best brains in the Bay and beyond like yourselves on to share with our community. Um, so to get a little bit of context, can you uh, can you share what ProPair is and, and how you came up with the concept? Yeah, 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 it's awesome. Yeah, so we started uh, in 2016. Um, I mean, we, we serve the mortgage industry and I, I grew up uh, going back, I, I'm, I'm, well, I'm 50 now, but I, I in, in uh, when I was 17 years old, I sold my first mortgage loan way back when. So uh, the mortgage business is kind of in my blood um, and never really got away from it. Have um, spent uh, the last, really the last 30 years in both mortgage, um, marketing, and then spent the last 10 years before starting uh, ProPair um, running a lead generation business, a large lead generation business. So it's not a, it's, it's, this is an industry, the lead generation business that we serve is a, is, uh, you know, as Warren Buffett would say, right? It's a pretty boring um, not a sexy business. The, the technology, um, it's not a lot of cutting edge technology, uh, but it's a business where we, you know, from my seat, you just recognize that there was a lot of opportunity, right? It's, it's, uh, um, there's a lot of volume. There's a lot of dollars being spent. There's a lot of really smart people and really smart companies in it. And um, so this was the opportunity for me after spending a year uh, working through different good companies with good colleagues uh, six years ago, my co-founder and I just said, okay, great. This is the right time. Um, let's go do it. And uh, so ProPair is, is, is all about, um, it, again, in that lead generation business, we're basically telling our customers of all the leads they buy, we're telling them which are more valuable, which are less valuable, who they should assign those leads to as far as their salespeople go, how long they should nurture those leads, we just provide predictive values. So we're giving them cheat codes through the whole process. As they buy a new lead, 
we're just plugging in our values and saying, hey, look, like we're going to tell you the future. We're going to tell you how likely this particular lead is to convert, who you should give this lead to, how you should nurture that lead. So it's been a game changer in the industry. It's just not something that's that's been out there um, or available for uh, for um, uh, for this industry. So for us, it's, it's like plug and play, like you said, product market fit and then kind of plug and play, making it easy. Oh, I see what you're saying. It, it, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned Warren Buffett. You know, just recently I was listening to Charlie Munger, his, his business partner. He said, you know, we, we don't try to predict the tide. We just, you know, we we swim in the ocean and, and it's that long term strategy. And, you, you know, the lead scoring space may not be sexy, but it makes a lot of money and it helps a lot of businesses out and creates a, a tremendous amount of value. Um, can you dive in a little bit deeper to the technology? Yeah, so um, uh, it's awesome. I should have my partner on here. The uh, uh, who, who, He's the chief data scientist. But uh, no, it's all machine learning technology. Um, they're all real-time applications. So the way to think about, uh, you know, about ProPair is um, if we go to a customer, just call it, you know, um, a large bank, uh, we're going to go and consume all of their various data sources. So we plug all of their data into our data infrastructure. We build custom a custom data infrastructure for each customer. Um, so in both, we're getting all their historical data and then in real time, we're consuming their data. And then we're simply standardizing all that data and then running predictive models. We customize again with all their data. So we'll simply split out, spit out, let's just say, as they get a new lead, we're going to get 20, 30 fields of information from them. We're going to take those 20, 30 fields of information in 400 milliseconds. We're going to give them a value that's going to tell them how likely that lead is to close. We're going to give them a value that's going to tell them which of their sales agents they should give that lead to. And then every day we're going to keep updating them on the value of that lead, whether it's getting better or getting worse. So they then use those signals. They just they incorporate. They have a bunch of systems on their side. So they'll use the signals in their dialer system and their marketing automation um, in their CRMs to then determine how they want to handle those leads. So it's it's huge for them, right, because they have this visibility. They can effectively now cheat on knowing if a lead is good or bad or who should have it or how long they should be uh, be working that lead. Um, so it's and it's it's an, it's a relatively easy integration for us. We do. We have about a 30 day onboarding, um, which for the audience out there, um, that onboarding time is, uh, um, you know, it's a it, our first onboarding took us you know five months. So, yeah, it's a it's a process to get it to the point where you can standardize onboards and get them done crisply. It's still a three week. You know, if we had to, we could probably get one done in a week. Um, but uh, it's always, you know, that's that's something we're always trying to refine and get better with. Well, it's it not like you're probably sticking pretty close to the customer experience and understanding the problem, uh, which is really neat. In fact, Jasper Stone, who was our guest uh, the week before last, uh, you know, when when he hires a new employee for the first three months, they go work directly at one of their customers. Oh. Um, yeah, which I think a really cool idea. So it almost sounds like ProPair functions like a brain. It senses the external stimuli, it generates knowledge, and then it builds a predictive model. Um, how how are you? Oh, did you have something wrong? Go ahead. Well, right off the cuff, um, Chief, is based on everything we're doing with data, right? And the connections you know, that we're, the, the use cases that we're making with sales and so forth. Um, we should definitely sync up after and chat. 
right? That's number one. Rose, Rose yeah, got number, deals for you. Number two is 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 you, you mentioned it's, it's not the it's not the sexiest thing in the world. Data data isn't either, right? Um, so from a marketing perspective, you mentioned you were in marketing. Um, you know, how did you approach that? You know, yeah, yeah. Um, good, good question. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and, you know, it's still evolving. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is, you know, we're, we're repositioning ourselves um, now. You know, we, we, we continue, continually just evolve how we speak about our products. Um, you know, back to the customer side. Yeah, like we spent a ton of time with customers. I mean, that's the, again, if you're talking about resources and people that I read and listen to locally, um, you know, everyone said, you know, be close to your customers, be close to your customers. And I don't know whether it's by accident or what, but I spent a ton of time with customers. So you understand it's sometimes almost too much, right? Like you, because you, you, you get, you can get too much pain, right? You can, you get too close to the problem. Um, yeah, yeah, there's this balance of, you don't want to get too close to it, but, uh, um, but it does your, your, your product roadmap, your feature roadmap, you know, if it's driven by customer input and not even customer input, like customer wants, but like, really identifying what they need. Um, it's been really helpful. It just made it easy for us to prioritize. We don't have to spend a ton of time, you know, strategizing over, you know, we do, we still will, will you know, lay out our quarterly objectives and make sure we're clear there. But, but uh, typically, you know, what we build next comes from, uh, comes from our base and then, you know, to some degree, new markets we want to enter. Um, but yeah, data, so, so back to the marketing question though, data is not sexy. Uh, if you know how to make it sexy, let me know. I'd love to. <laughs> We're working on it. <laughs> We're working on it for sure. Yeah. yeah. I guess but, uh, getting back to the utility, I mean, you probably do that quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the way I think about, you know, the, the like, it's actually the, the interesting part about data. Um, we just did a, um, we were just in Charlotte about a month and a half ago and did a, uh, a demo at, at uh, LendingTree. LendingTree is a big, a uh, public company, a, a big player in our space. Um, they're a, if you don't know them, they're an online marketer. It's a place, it's like a credit karma or a nerd wallet um, where you go and, and people that are interested in finding financial offers or shopping for financial offers, use them. It's a longstanding brand. It's a really good, well-run company. Um, they had, a, they had, gave us a chance to demo along with uh, a handful of other folks. Um, and so we thought a lot about like, all right, well, how do we want to talk to this market given like the mortgage market is crushed right now. I mean, it is. It has been this. It's been a really, really tough nine months uh, in that particular industry. So, how do you talk to a market that's really been hammered, um, and you want to bring a new technology that you want them to invest, uh, you know, their their limited capital in? Um, and so, the way we thought about it was was back to the data piece. Like, all right, you have all of this anxiety around all of this data that you're sitting on top of, and if you're in kind of a you know, a, an industry like the mortgage industry, like lead generation, you, you you typically are not doing a ton with that data. You're sitting on it, you're pulling some reports, um, you're doing maybe some light analysis, uh, you're shipping data off, you're grabbing some more data, but you're not really utilizing it. So our positioning was, hey, look, all that data is giving you anxiety. You're not really doing much with it. Give it to us. We'll give you values back. We'll take all this cloud of data, all this just noise, and we're going to give you simple, predictive values back um we won the comp we won the demo so that was good so but outside of that you know i don't know you know so again we're constantly hunting for how we talk about 
how, how to talk about it in a way that, yeah. that, that people, you know, get, get, get excited. So would you say that banks are traditionally not as progressive or as open-minded to adopting new technology? And if so, how do you, how do you uh, clear that hurdle? Um, that's a super good question. Um, uh, I think, uh, yes, banks are rep by reputation are, from their attire, from their attire to from what I've heard. Yeah. yeah. From what you've heard, it is, it, it is true that, you know, interestingly though, um, my experience has been, um, there are a lot of people inside of banks that are super innovative. And so, you know, one of the, Nick, we had talked about this being, being a, a topic because we sell to banks, um, you know, finding a champion inside of a, of a bank is, is everything, right? Finding that champion um, that wants to make a difference inside the bank, uh, making sure that you give them, that you pack their lunch, uh, you give them the tools um, to be able to support your case and you take your time. But those champions are are they're 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 everything for technology companies like us. And they a lot there are a lot of them in, in big banks. If they can navigate, then they have to navigate, obviously, the uh, internal. Um, I don't know what you'd call it, but it's so a, it's like finding an advocate. Yeah. Very, very sales. Yeah. Well, it's it. I, I mean, I wrote a whole article about this. It, the the consumer within the enterprise, right? You know, it's based on a story when I was at Twitter, real quick. Um, it, we were just using GitHub and 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 email, and um, and I, at a college class, we use Slack, right, for the communication part. And so I to the PM, I was like, uh, why don't we just use Slack? Try it out, and before you know it, what well, like wildfire. Team using it, then the whole engineering team using it, using it, Twitter's using it, right? Um, so it's not like a bottom up approach. I it, I don't know if it's bottom up. I I've been given I've been get, giving that a lot of thought. Um, but it, it it's it's about that 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 is that is a science that we need to unravel, dude. Um, yeah. is, is is how do we find that? that um that golden goose that's sitting inside of any enterprise that, that that has an open mind that you know is looking and clicking around at this solution and that solution comparing you know on and off on his on his or off time so how, how you when you're finding an advocate like like your head mentioned i mean obviously the bank wants to get ahead of their competition but how do you incentivize them? I mean, assuming you don't already have a relationship, you know, you're not like golfing buddies or something like that. If yeah. they're, they're they just want to be able to provide for their family. My guess is if because of, they're probably not uh, super entrepreneurially minded by and large. So how do you how do you get them to have skin in the game to be able to kind of put their neck on the line for you? Yeah, I mean, you got. I, I'm not gonna get. I mean, you guys are like me. I'm sure you read a lot of you read a lot. And, and there's a lot of people that share a lot on sales and sales is sales is is a um, it's truly a profession, right? Like it, it is it is a it is a it is such a hard thing to get. It's a very difficult profession um, and to get really good at. And um, I read a lot. 
study a lot. I have a mentor that's helped me a bunch and I'm still terrible at it. Um, but I would say like when finding that advocate, making sure that, that you listen to them enough to understand like, what do they really care about? What are they trying to get done? What helps them within the organization? Um, understanding, maybe anticipating the roadblocks that they're going to deal with, right? Making sure that, that they get the right support. Um, it's, it's just a pro it's a relationship. It's a process. It's listening. Um, and understanding also like what motivates them, you know, are they trying to, do they, do they want to be the innovator within the org? And honestly, like, I'll tell you, like if in a bank, if you find the person that is ju just driven to be the innovator, that can be tough too, because then internally they're seen as like, you know, they're seen like they're going to bring your technology and they're like, ah, it's, you know, that's wing nuts technology, right? Is that you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. So we're, we're actually coming up across a very similar uh, problem. Uh, and it's, it really shows me kind of the relation between sales and marketing. Uh, I don't know if well, you, you probably know that like a lot of tech companies are going through layoffs right now and will be one of them. Uh, we, and they, one of the, one of our execs came out uh, and said that we are, we want to go and focus more towards really the high ticket items. Like we want to sell, we, we want more, like more sales in essentially data centers. And that just means that we're going to have five customers, Amazon, Google, Facebook, anyone able to drop 30 mil on a, on a data center. But at the same time, um, a lot of these like marketing channels, for example, you know, since I own the TikTok channel, that's still, that's still in our marketing repertoire. And it's really because we want to make our, like our name kind of known. So that when the salespeople do go and start like pounding the pavement and hitting like knocking on doors and having phone calls, at least, you know, the, um, the name will like stick around and like have some kind of, um, like have some sort of stickiness. Exactly. You could experience that as well. Do you see, um, what was interested to hear like your, your take on like, like what marketing is, like the role of marketing. Yeah. I, in, so uh, that's a great company. question. Yeah. So I, so I tie sales and marketing really tightly. Um, and I, I think I'm, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if everybody does that, but, but for me, uh, and this is for the marketers in the room, I apologize. Marketing is, is service, you know, uh, services sales. And uh, the, there's the, the way I think about it is, You've got the the longer term, the reputational marketing. Um, you're focusing on your brand. You're telling your story. Uh, you're playing the long game. That we just honestly, we just started doing about nine months ago to a year ago when when we brought on our our first CMO, and he has really helped us craft our story and not just craft it, but then tell it through content, tell it through sessions like this, tell it through conferences, um, tell it through our emails. And then there's the second part, which is, hey, we got to get relevant content that kind of pokes the bear and gets people thinking about, ooh, I've got, I do have that pain point. I do understand what these folks are solving. Um, ooh, I do have more anxiety than I thought I had around what my data, how I'm not using my data, I'm underutilizing my data. Um, and that's in service of sales. Uh, and that part of it is, is that's the part that that's more like direct, almost direct response marketing, right? It's like almost direct to consumer marketing where you're really, you're identifying who you want to go after, sending pointed messages. Um, so our email, uh, frankly, our email is our number one uh, outreach channel. 
Uh, we still make some phone calls, but boy, it's 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 harder and harder to get uh, to get uh, meaningful calls on on how do, you, how do you balance it? Because um, because you mentioned engaging the customer on on a on a very deep level. Um, on the other side is the kind of the jobsian approach, where it's like, you know, uh, the customer doesn't know what he want, what he or she wants until you put it right on their lap. Or if like, or, or if I were to ask Henry Ford, you know, back in the day, you know, what a customer would ask for, they would ask for a, a faster horse, right? So, um, how do you balance conviction, your own your own kind of conviction, with what your customers are saying? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's no. That's that's an awesome. That is a. That's a. Uh, funny. My uh, partner. I was talking about that earlier uh, this evening. Um, that's a great question. I mean, like we got in this business six years ago because we recognized a a a problem. We recognized that you have large lead buyers are spending a ton of money and they don't really have any clear way to control once they buy those leads and bring them into their sales orgs, they don't have any real clear way to make really effective predictive decisions in how they're prioritizing, assigning, managing those leads. So that was the problem we saw. And we identified it. I don't know. We identified it with machine learning applications like that seemed to be the best technology. That part we had conviction about. Like that was that was like, OK, this is the right solution. My partner had conviction about it. I agreed with them. I knew the problem, but it was like, this is right. We could take a services model. We could do some other, we could do have a, some software model. No, this was going to be a data problem from day one. That was our conviction. Now, when we went to market, it was like, all right, well, how is it, how are you going to use these predictive signals we give you? That we were just much more flexible on like, I'm going to start with, I'm going to give you a value. I'm going to tell you which of your agents to give the lead to. And then I'm going to let you tell me what's wrong with that and why that, should be better or why that should change. So for us, at least every, I'm sure, I'm sure it was different, but like the core technology and the, the core foundation was, was not a, that's not a customer decision. That was like a, we're bringing that to market. That's our, that's our spade. We're, we're digging in the dirt. And then, you know, you let customers a little bit tell you where to dig, right. Or help you find where to dig. Yeah. So, so speaking of uh, marketing from a technology standpoint, we've got our CMO here. Um, Camera, how do you how do you approach storytelling um, from a unit central perspective? So for for us, I mean, we have so many different facets within Unity Central and what it is, um, and so it's a it's an entirely different story within each module. Whereas with um, ProPair. You guys are, are going after a very, very particular niche. Um, and I, I had an interesting question for you. I, I actually have a buddy, um, old college buddy, who runs a, a similar yet different type of business for, for mortgage brokers. And I was wondering, do you guys um, do a lot on social media as far as your advertising? Um, and are, are you pushing any of that for for leads I, I we don't today because um we don't today but but primarily because our our buyer it, we, we do serve it um uh you know we know who are, we, we know our icp uh our icp is on linkedin so we we are starting to do some stuff on linkedin uh we publish content there obviously but uh 
we don't do much on in the other channels or we don't really do anything in the other channels. Uh, I just always think of those as consume as more consumer channels, but I think I'm limited by yeah. imagination. Yeah. So. yeah. So essentially what they do is they, they try and kind of weed out those waste of time leads. So they mm -hmm. pre-approve the leads using social media and other measurables, and then, you know, set those appointments for, for the uh, particular people. Um, whereas you guys are using machine learning and uh, a lot of different ways to dice the that's out there in their system that's that's not being used. Yeah, which I find very yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, you know, as far as I mean, you know, back to like the marketing piece, um, it is you know you know marketing so marketing uh, inexpensively is a is a tough thing to do uh, if you want to ramp quickly. Um, which is yeah. we want it, we're cheap. I mean, we're, you know, we're super cheap. We're a bootstrap business. Uh, we're not, we don't have a big marketing budget. Um, but the things that have worked for us or that are working for us now is good content, relevant content. Uh, our market is getting really hurt right now. So trying to provide just support and, um, uh, you know, most of our content right now is built around navigating difficult times, little things you can do, not necessarily investing money, even just, just kind of, you know, uh, free ways to, um, to understand, uh, you know, what's happening within your, within your business. Now that said, right. Like we're establishing ourselves as a, as an industry expert. I mean, that's yeah. that for us, people are going to, people are buyers. Um, they want to know they're buying from somebody who knows the business, right. They want to know, that they're buying from um, um, from somebody who understands and has seen, you know, we've seen a gazillion customer uh, customer instances. That that's that's the part of that's the stuff you have to get out in the market, right? Those whatever your assets are. In our case, it's we've just seen a ton of data. We've seen a ton of. Hey, uh, Ethan. Yeah, I got a question. So you mentioned earlier, you said you're you are establishing yourself as a uh, as a thought leader, or is that where? Does that live online? Do you guys have a, a, a platform where people can go and clearly see that you guys are the thought leader in this? I, I heavily rely on Silicon Zombies. That's my that is my problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because that's one thing you can. That's one way you can look at social media is that if you want, uh, like part one half of social media is like reach and discoverability. The other half is building your credibility. And like LinkedIn is perfect for that. Yeah. So if people yeah. can, you know, if there is, if there is like a place where you are treating it as like a content drop or a content, um, a knowledge depository, then that could, that is a good place to start. And from there you build your community. Yeah, I'm going to label yourself as a thought leader in that space, right? And start <coughs> tweeting about, you know, things and um you'd be you'd, you'd, you'd be surprised and especially if you say you know hashtag dm me you'd be surprised how many people <laughs> will actually reach out you know that's, that's only that's on your only fans right so i, I think <laughs> i think um ethan like your business is probably one of the last bastions where that is less necessary because you're your customer base, like you're, there's probably only a couple thousand businesses that can be your customers. Is, is that, is that right? Yeah, we probably have. I mean, it depends if, if we get into more markets. Um, it's a few thousand, you know, our ICP is a, our sales orgs that, that uh, centralized sales orgs isn't going to be get too complex, but, 
but basically folks that are that are buying a reasonable number of leads um, and have an outbound sales team. Um, so it's a few thousand, depending on which markets we get into. But, you know, back to like the the I mean, I love that our, our, our CMO is is uh, is probably listening to this now. So, you know, as far as, um, you know, thought leadership and and tricks there, I love it. I actually got off Twitter like two years ago. I, I just, I was on Twitter and I found myself, I just, it was so fun. I just loved it so much. I mean, honestly, I was, and I, but I got involved in so many different topics and I became kind of, I think like a little bit of a pain in the ass where I was, you know, it's like, oh, did you, you know, you know I was just constantly bringing up new topics with people because Twitter just, you can, there's, there's no lack of something you can get excited about and get interested in and get caught up in. So anyway, so finally I just said, I'm going to go back to being boring. And I got yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like being able to focus. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, you can definitely end up scrollaxing a little bit too much. <laughs> For sure. For sure. So, yeah, the uh, um, but it is the thought leadership piece is, um, um, you know, again, our, our Bill Rice, our CMO, he, he publishes a ton of content. Right. So he's constantly out there publishing content, um, sharing it to his network. Uh, I would like we should do more videos. I mean, we, we it's it's a it is a great way to um, it's a great way to 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 get out there you know what else is, is, is pretty cool there, there's a, a technology called video v-i-d-y-o.ai and we, we haven't used it yet but uh essentially we'll be able to feed this video that we're shooting right now and then based on keywords and, and some other data points it'll slice and dice the content and redistribute it on social uh, so kind of like editing to some degree with captions and so on and so forth um but i think a lot of it's just Visibility. I mean, it's sales operations optimization is like such a unique space. Like, why yeah. why do you think that sales ops is so fruitful of an environment for artificial intelligence and machine learning? Uh, it's an awesome question. So, uh, all right. So, so that's so that that strikes at the core of like why we got into it. I know your audience is is more entrepreneurs, and and so I think maybe maybe this story resonates with people. Like the reason I started doing this. The, the uh, again, I grew up as a salesperson. Right. So I, I grew up in, in mortgage shops selling loans. And then I was in a position now where I'm on the other side of it. I'm generating a bunch of leads and I'm selling leads into shops that have a bunch of salespeople. The underserved person in that equation was always the salesperson. Right. Because they're basically it's like, hey, look, uh, we're buying a bunch of leads for you. You know, they're great leads. We're going to put them into the system and you're going to call them and you're going to do this and that. And it's like, OK, that's awesome. Like, it's super good. I mean, they just show up and there's leads. That's pretty cool. But there was, we don't know who those people are. Like you, those salespeople, like what do they do well? They're all totally different, right? They're just mm -hmm. different people. They have different tendencies, different patterns. They talk differently. They sell differently. They think differently. And yet the way it was is it's like, okay, great. Lead is a lead is a lead. It's going to salesperson is a salesperson is a salesperson. And so like my true, what I really cared about the reason I started this business like those people that are in these sales orgs that are sitting in typically you know large centralized sales offices cube farms they're grinding away but no one's really paying attention to what they do well so if you just take a step back and say okay let's try to find what they're good at and let's just give them more of those things right it's like the moneyball story it's 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 the billy bean moneyball it's just find where their sweet spot in their swing is and just groove more pitches into that spot. And the way to do that for us at least was, shoot, this is just a massive data problem. So 
Let's right. throw our right. applications at it. But so anyway, that was hard from just like my founder story, like that resonated. That was the, that resonated from that helped me get through the first two years of like, I just wanted salespeople to have more tools and that like for these orgs that we were working with to just to try to get their salespeople to be more effective using the technology we had. When, when you're when you're calculating the the benefit of your platform, are you also adding in the decreased uh, like employee loss because because uh, salespeople are hitting their numbers more often, which makes them less likely to to leave the, the company? Um, no, but that's an awesome, that's, a, that's, a, I'm, I'm going to add, I'm going to add that to my ROI count. Or invoice you for that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good, it, yeah, I mean, we do get creative, um, you know, like when it comes to, to the ROI calc, I mean, typically, um, um, again, the cool thing about working with data is, is, is we have access to all the data. So we always run a, uh, my partner's a, a, a scientist by, uh, by, um, uh, training and trade. And so, we always run a control group. So on, on everything we do, we always have a running control group. That can be anywhere from 10% of the leads we touched up to 25 is our typical, um, which is really helpful for us because we can always prove out the, the impact. Um, but in any model as well, you got 25% are constantly are, are being treated as random. So that's the, you need to keep, you know, you need more random leads coming in. So you're not, otherwise you're just sending everybody down a, a rabbit hole and you're saying, well, you're good at one thing. and that's all you're going to be good at because that's all we're ever training on. So, uh, right. So, but. so I did have another question, Ethan, about um, how you can source deals, or I should say, source leads uh, to the correct uh, to the correct salesperson. I mean, the the obvious one is geography, right? Like, if if there's a buyer in the south, you want to source that to somebody maybe with like a southern drawl, right? Yeah, but uh, like. Like what are the what are the other ways that what are the other data points that you can you can route the right opportunity to the right salesperson? Yeah, there's uh, I mean there's a number of you know in our industry there's um, things like loan amount um, so that which is somewhat a proxy for how you know the the, the home value how big a home the the home is um, there's credit grades um, you know there's uh, um, uh, the time of day believe it or not those types of things are incredibly oh. important you catch these. Uh, what you find when you look at salespeople is there's people that that just start out kind of slow and ramp up and there's other people that start out hot and ramp down well the data finds that right so the data the data finds those tendencies and takes advantage of them um so yeah there's no there's there's uh there's no limit to the uh to the to what the data can find and, and what, do you, what do you think this uh this space and the technology will look in say like five years or ten years Um, and that's such a, that's a, uh, okay. <laughs> now you're jumping. Now, now you're really, now you're really jumping. Now I need a glass of wine. Reason you don't get the questions early. Yeah, but... I need a glass of wine that's sitting there. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm not objective, but, uh, what we see when we look around is, is we see a lot of customers sitting still six years in still sitting on a lot of data and not um, in some cases, not doing anything with it or not, not weaponizing it in the way that, that they can. So I see in five years, I see a world where people it's, it's, 
it's easy for us to take their data and weaponize it for them. Yeah. So, and it doesn't cost them much. Right. So I see a world in which everybody's, that's just table stakes. Like yeah. otherwise, like, it, you know, it's, it's again, you know, these are, you know, we're, we're, we've been building our business and at some point you're going to, at some point you build, you build, you establish your reputation and then it just flips. And then all of a sudden everyone has to have it. Um, mm -hmm. In our industry, it feels like that's just a matter of time, um, but I can't predict the future. I'm, I'm obviously hopeful that that's how the, that that's how it you know, these are latent assets, right? The data, late data is just a latent asset. Um, so there was a couple of great questions that came in. Uh, Nick Hammer, do you want to read a, a few of those off here? Yeah. So Bill Rice um, had a question. He said, how hard is it to get AI ML into and running effectively inside these large data sets and warehouses? Aren't they all super unique? It's a great question from Bill Rice. Yes. Yeah, so that's that's the that's the heavy lifting that we do is, is just the standardization work. So you got to take, you know, if if the average customer has four unique data sources and imagine like that's just a big mess. So like imagine in, in a in a lead, you've got, um, you know, if you've got a million records, you've got a million rows. And then in each one of those rows, you've got probably 50 columns. So each of those 50 columns, you got to make sure that you understand what's in those columns and that you standardize those into a language that we use consistently across all of our customers. So it's. That's that's part of the onboarding process. It's, it's 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 that's work on our side, but that's the that's what our 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 internal process in automation. Um, that's what we built over the last six years. So it's a. Uh, I think that was a softball from Bill. So thank you, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he was a plant. A plant. There, <laughs> yeah. So we got we got one more um, from Jessica Breed. She asks, um, "Are you considering adding any additional industries?" question. That is a good question. Yeah. Um, we service mortgage right now. We're um, we're in auto lending as well, um, and we're getting into uh, into insurance. In fact, we're gonna we're applying to a uh, to an accelerator program here at the end of this year um, to help us make a make a push into into insurance because that's a big industry. That's a that's got a a bunch of a bunch of seats, um, a lot of large sales orgs. So that's a good. Uh, that's a good industry for us, for sure. Thank you, Jessica. That's a great question. Do you have, if Jessica has any recommendations for other industries, um, <laughs> you know, Jessica's building a really cool uh, travel tech uh, company called Kid Ventures. So oh. be sure, be sure to check them out as well. Yeah. Ethan, have you? Oh, did you have something? Okay, have you found it's easier to sell into um, a, a target market that is struggling? Um, because like obviously right now mortgages are down, they're probably looking for areas to trim to trim the fat and do more with less. But they're also probably in this area of fear yeah. as well. Uh, and as as our buddy Roe likes to say, you know, fear is a disease and hope is the only cure. Yeah. Um, so have you found it easier to close deals because of that fragile uh, that fragile space that they're in? Uh, I love that question. Um, no, it's, it's, it's hard. I think it's easier. Um, I think it's easier to, 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 uh, there's less noise, right? There's less people selling into them, uh, into the market. And I think honestly, what we're finding in the market is just people are more open to hearing. 
um, and to having conversations. And so the way we sell um, our services is like, we need to have conversations. We need to have a lot of conversations. We need to understand uh, what they're currently doing. We need to be able to really um, uh, clarify, build real use cases for them. Um, so it needs to be a conversation. So that part of it, I like, it's harder, but you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's harder to get deals signed because people don't want to spend money. Um, mm -hmm. but that'll change. And that, and that's, again, mortgage has gone yeah. through a particularly tough time. Um, yeah. uh, so I think that'll, well, that'll loosen up for sure. But to, to, to play devil's advocate, you know, I, I think it was Ford who said, you know, you don't, you don't, uh, turn off your watch to stop time. Like you, you know, even though they yeah. can't, that's not how it works. I guess, <laughs> I guess it depends on your watch. <laughs> so, um, you, un you unplug your alarm clock. <laughs> that sounds yeah. disastrous. Yeah, no, it's um, good. I mean, it, it is, it's one of those things where like for us, just, um, it's again, we, we've used this opportunity to reposition and to, and to think differently about how we tell our story. And so yeah. that's in a, in a tough market. Um, we like our, you know, that's you're again, you're always evolving your story, but, yeah. So, so you've been you've been a founder for for uh, for many years. Um, what what's in your hindsight portfolio? What would you have told Ethan Ewing from twenty years ago? Gosh, I love that. Uh, all right, um, can, how about can I go? Can I go six years ago when I started this business? Can I can I go instead of twenty? Years back why? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, "Can I call a friend?" Call a friend. <laughs> if I call my wife, I don't know, my wife would probably say, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, no, I don't know. You know, um, uh, we bootstrapped the business. So that was a, uh, a decision that for us felt like a, a no brainer. Um, we raised a little bit of money about a year ago, but, um, but really it's been a, it's been a founder funded and a customer funded business. And there's different schools of thought, that's been great for us. It's just been great for the way uh, we run the business and the way we think about the business. Um, but there's little decisions like that that you make. That's not a little decision, but there's decisions like that that you make that at the time you think, ah, you know, it's just, a, but those become just core, you know, that's a core part of who you are and what you are as a business. Um, it's a very brave decision, dude, mm. to, to go bootstrap. And then I think it kind of, almost like a nice tweed suit it it ends up kind of becoming defining. a part you know defining what your company is and um so you don't spend too much and you're right. there here and, and so forth so can you share some uh, maybe some best practices or or nuggets of wisdom on bootstrapping we, we've got a ton of founders in the community yeah, that, yeah for sure um yeah i mean uh, for sure i mean keep your pnl super close right just know your you know, no, 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 your cash flow. Um, just yeah, don't yeah. spend ahead of need. Uh, I mean, that's <laughs> no, no yachts, Peter yeah. says. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe uh, only one one <laughs> I mean, for now, this is totally personal, right? So again, I mean, I, um, I, I'm, I'm probably conservative to a fault, and so I don't know if that's right for your audience. You know, if, if you're, if you're, uh, I, I'm not a, you know, uh, I just think about the business differently, and and uh, um, I think a lot of people have great businesses and think about raising a lot of money and just that's a different approach but for us you know making sure that you identify need and then spending when the revenue and the you know spending with revenue right there's no there's no kind of uh you don't want to get ahead of yourself um and the reality is what that forces you to do from for us at least 
it forces us to learn the different things that we need to do and be really disciplined about what we need to do. Um, because we, we don't have, I just don't have a ton of resources. Right. So, um, you know, you're, you're, you're really, uh, focusing your resources on the things that you're really clear that you need to get done. I mean, a great example, we just did our, our 2023 objectives. Um, uh, uh, we did our planning four months four weeks ago, rather. And there was five things we really wanted to do. Like we really wanted to do, and we cut two of them. Mm. Like, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if that was right. Like we just, we don't have the, we don't have the resources to go out right now and do those things because we're a bootstrap business. Right. So does that, does that mean you're, you don't grow as quickly? Sure. Does that mean that you increase your chances of being a really good, strong business? I think so. Um, so that's just the approach we've taken, but it's, you know, I wouldn't quibble with people one way or the other, but uh yeah, keep blue, your, keep your blue in your heart, blue in your heart, red in your brain. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. It, you know, your your approach, Ethan, is contrary to the kind of irrational exuberance, you know, unit economics, yeah. be damned, growth at all costs kind of attitude that unfortunately the Silicon Valley is, I, I think, kind of Played become with. famous for. But I don't know if that's, I mean, like, honestly, that's just a different business. Like, I love, like, that's fantastic, right? That's massive wealth creation. I think it's amazing. It's just not like back to the point of like, what, what would you, you know, what advice? That's just not me. It was never me. It was never my partner. That's just not how we thought about business. It's not how I was raised. So, you know, it's, but I, but I think it's an awesome, I think it's a tremendous thing. It's an amazing growth engine. It's an amazing wealth creation engine. Um, but I couldn't force myself to like, if, if I, if I went out and I couldn't force myself to do that, it's just, it but, would be, but companies, but companies and investors are more aligned with, with your philosophy now, especially over the last couple of months. And like Things before, like, you know, an investor would pick a company that was growing, you know, 10 X a quarter with, with no real prospects of break even. And I think that's that's switching. It's just, it just feels a lot more practical and closer to reality, which is, which I think is is awesome. Yeah, you know? maybe. I mean, you know, you look at like what well, I mean. You like now taking a step back. I'm mean, look at like biotech, right? There's a ton of money flooding into biotech, right? I mean, because biotech mm-hmm. is super high beta and it's super high growth and it's a massive wealth creation engine. So um, it's kind of moving maybe a little bit out of software and into biotech. I mean. Um, I don't think companies like ours that that, you know, you're going to say, hey, look, I want to I want to establish 50 percent consistent year over year growth. I want to be profitable, um, you know, and I want to build a, a biz, a really solid business in a really in an underserved market. Um, like, I don't know, that's not for you know, that's that I don't think that's a you know, there's not a lot of venture capitalists that say like, oh, that's super exciting. Right. But that's OK. That's you know, we're we're again. You you build the business that you want. You build the business that 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 yeah. is that you feel natural building. If I had gone when I first started thinking about this business, I was like, oh, I should you know go out and raise a few million bucks. That that was that was so hard for me to get my head around. I'm like, you know, what would I what would if what what am I going to do with five million bucks? Um, and we didn't I didn't, I didn't we didn't need the money. We knew we had a business plan. We knew the market we wanted to execute in. We got contracts right away. Um, and we started wow. creating, we started generating revenues like, and I, I see it though, but I, you know, you understand why people go out and raise money and you're putting your, you've got a ton more opportunities. You so, can, 
hire crazy stuff. No, I mean, so, so who was your first customer? Salute to you, man. Yeah, who, who was your first customer and how did you close that deal? Uh, it was a, it was a bank out in, uh, um, uh, out in Kansas city. Um, and, uh, um, gosh, we were, uh, I, I, I closed it from my, um, from my partner's, uh, patio deck, uh, on the cell on, on, on my cell phone. And it was over the course of a, of a long time, but, uh, but that was a huge moment. I mean, our first the best few years. Was, in the world. The best barbecue sauce in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. so it was it was but those first few contracts are huge i mean they were they were they were huge you know they they that's if you're if you want to be a customer funded business we've got to go out and get customer funds um and so customers that believe in you and gave you that not just the, the financial confidence but also the the support um it was huge for us so it was everything now i was going to ask you what is an example of a brave decision that you made, but I think you already answered it. Like you said, you had five things that you wanted to, you wanted to accomplish and you cut a few of those. That's back to what Ro mentioned. That's a, that's a Steve Jobs approach, like do less, but do them better, which I, I think is pretty lovely. Put, put that in a box for all the entrepreneurs out there. Pick that one, one or two somethings and put it in a box, lock it and throw away the key. And then from there on in, yeah, you, you know, you can pivot and do, do, do all that, but, um, that would be, you know, um, yeah. One like, said it much better. A, a quick shout out to Marta Targiani who, who had originally connected Ethan. Oh, yeah. and, um, so, you know, we've got Socrates who mentored Plato and, and Plato mentored Aristotle, the great, and, and then he, and then he ended up mentoring Alexander. No, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Aristotle mentored Alexander the Great. So, like, philosopher king. Right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, like, who's who's a, a couple of mentors uh, that uh, that have really been instrumental and in, in, uh, for you? Uh, yeah, I've got I've got two that uh, locally for me. One one uh, um, one guy give, uh, lives locally here in San Carlos. Um, a guy named Mike Doyle, who's been uh, he was a he was a, a friend of mine before. We started this. He was instrumental, and in, you know, for a year, uh, he went out every few weeks. He would meet me for a beer, and I would talk through what I was doing. And he had uh, built a software business and sold it, and is now a football coach locally. And um, he's I don't know five or six years older than me, and I knew that was the path that I wanted. Um, and uh, and he was incredible and challenging me, um, but giving support and. Um, yeah, those mentors are are amazing. They 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 can give you confidence. They can also have you really think through your decision process. Um, and then I've got another mentor right now, the active CEO mentor, um, a guy in Philadelphia who's just huge. He challenges me. Um, he has a blueprint that he's provided for me that you can take as much or little as you want. Um, but uh, mentorship, and not just mentorship like friends, but but almost professional level mentorship is a huge. Is something that I've found uh, over the last few years to just be a massive, massive, massive asset. Mentorship slash friendship. And by the way, uh, Hammer and I are in, in Palo Alto. So if ever you want to come, I'd love to have you come by, or I'll come by. I'll come down to you guys. I'd love to. I'm right there, yeah. down in San Carlos, right off the freeway. Sure. So. Or we can meet in Menlo Park or something. Dutch Goose. Yeah, Dutch Goose. That would be great. Um, goose. Yeah. And then, and then how, how are 
how are you going to get me through the rest of this Niners season with Jimmy Garoppolo wrong? Yeah, that was you got it's 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 per it's per, Purdy day. You'll be in good shape. You yeah, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's going to be the new Tom Brady. I think Man. you're going to be in good shape. I think your your defense is going to carry you through. You're gonna he was slinging it. He was slinging. Yeah. You're going to be okay. I've got I got I got my Ravens to worry about. So <laughs> we'll see. We might, we might so, back down too. we always like to be valuable to uh, to to the guests that are gracious enough to join us on the show. Um, what is the what is the title of the decision maker that we can introduce to you, Ethan? That would help move the needle and, and drive even more revenue to to propair. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, so uh, uh, a CMO at a um, large insurance or other financial services um, sales organization is exactly who uh, they're our champion. We service them, uh, make sure that the stuff they're the investment they're making in leads um, is uh, um, significantly improved um, with ProPair. So it's a that's our Perfect. that is our audience. Uh, uh, my buddy Kyle Tellis is a fellow that you should meet. He's in the mortgage space, but uh, we'll get you connected to Kyle Tellis, um, and, uh, and and hopefully that could be helpful. And just a quick question for you: here. If you could pick any fictional character that could be real, who would uh, who would you pick? Uh, any fictional character that could be real, um, I would probably. Uh... I'd probably go with Thor. I'd have to go with Thor. Thor, I <laughs> love that. Love Thor is that. a pretty good one. He can solve a lot of problems with it. With just yeah, one, swing the, one swing of the anvil. So. <laughs> Great answer. Great answer. Well, Ethan, you, you just been a rock star. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, awesome. Thank Tommy's you guys here. for uh, – yeah, I'm going to have to come up there and get my glass of wine at some point. So, uh, Perfect. Yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's fun to be with you. Yeah, and, and also want to give a quick shout out to Kocha, the Korean Organizational Trade Association. Thanks for uh, for Gubin and Minjun for having us here and giving us this beautiful space. And again, nacodex.com if you're building your products and you need some help building those products. So uh, be sure to check us next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific. We're going to have uh, some more fantastic guests on, on zombies. And uh, until then, be sure to take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Thanks again, Ethan. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Cool. Well done, Ethan. Thank you. All right. Thank you. This is classic <laughs> music you guys have. Is there a live band in the studio? <laughs> See you, guys. Thanks, Nick. I appreciate you guys. Thank See you, everybody. Thank you. I love their uh, ProParable. I think that's, that's probably the product that I would on. Uh, because look, look how quickly you can onboard a new